You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, December 14th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, that's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for only Padres content. If you want to see me occasionally tweet about Wolverine and Kitty Pride of the X-Men and weird video game stuff and Dragon Power Rankings. That sometimes is on my main page. As well as saying that if, oh man, if the Padres sign Michael Conforto, I will indeed record myself doing a cartwheel. I will. I will do that. So go check out all that stuff, guys. And Locked On Padres on YouTube as well if you want to see the video thing. If that's more up your alley. Could be making some upgrades soon to the video too. So that's something to look forward to. And on today's episode, guys, we got to talk catchers. That's right. It is the catcher episode of this Locked On Padres podcast. Uh, we're going over this past year what the Padres got from their two catchers, technically three, uh, if we count Luis Campizano, even if it was in and out. Talking about Austin Nola, talking about Jorge Alfaro, talking a little bit about the past of catchers that the Padres have had in the AJ Preller era, and then also looking a little bit towards the future, looking a little bit about how things may or may not have gone the Padres' way in this free agency slash trade market. And what I mean by that, of course, is the Sean Murphy trade that happened the other day. So let's start, first of all, guys, with talking about what happened this year. All right, let's talk about Austin Nola and Jorge Alfaro. Okay, so the Padres, I don't know what it is, man, with the Padres and catcher, but there's always something. It could never be clean with the Padres in the catching position for whatever reason. This is This stems back from trading Yasmani Grandal for... Reasons that probably shouldn't have happened, and oh, we, you know, the pitching staff doesn't like you know pitching for him, and then look where he ends up being this like all-star catcher and you know making a decent amount of money. I know he was bad last year, but the Padres have had some bad luck with catcher, and then you have the Hulk Luis Campizano situation, which has been one of the more bizarre. Granted, this is the team that also had the very bizarre um, upbringing of Mackenzie Gore. That was very odd, and that ended up finishing, um, I think, quite well. I know they ended up trading him, but he was, looked pretty good in his moments. Um, and then, and then you got the whole, what was it? The, the, the great, uh, Francisco Mejia versus Austin Hedges debate. And then you've got this year and this year, it's kind of incredible that this might be one of the most memorable seasons from a Padres catcher in the AJ Preller era that we've had. And that comes from Jorge Alfaro and not Austin Nola. Uh, not that they were necessarily great. If you want to just go immediately by F4 this year. Austin Nola was 28th among the 30 catchers who had at least 250 plate appearances. And then Jorge Alfaro was 25th. That's right. Somehow Jorge Alfaro was better. But that being said, Jorge Alfaro had, I mean, there's no debating this part. One of the more memorable catching seasons that the Padres have had in a while. And there's a bunch of things for that. First of all, the hair, the attitude, the fact that he is a freakish athlete, the fact that he's fast, the fact that he has power, even though it doesn't translate to, you know, game power. The bottom line is he is a freak kind of athlete. It just has never materialized from him. They got him off the, the waiver wire. What were they getting him for? I forgot. They gave him, I think they got him for it to play, a player to be named later from New Orleans. Um, they did that before the, the season started. Everyone was like, what the heck? 
and AJ Prowler clearly had some belief in him. You know, some of their catching coaches, I remember Francisco uh, Cervelli, I think, was a little bit of a believer when they made that move. And he wasn't particularly good, but I will say it was memorable because of the walk-off hits. He had he led the league this year, or I should say he led the team this year with five, and it was genuinely incredible. I mean, the walk-offs against multiple teams, and one of them that I think was the most memorable for me was against the Marlins when... It's his former team, and they throw the one pitch that you should not be throwing to him. It's slow. It's kind of right down the middle to an extent. It hangs there. I think it was a breaking ball. And it's like, that's like the one pitch this guy will always hit. And he walks it off, and it was incredible. I loved it. He had some good moments um, towards the end of the season, even though he didn't play in the playoffs. But that's what's so crazy is he's probably the most memorable Padres catcher that we've had in quite some time. Um and I think that overall, it's fine that the Padres didn't end up keeping him. He isn't that great of a player. He's going to be a cult player. This is a player that when you walk down Gaslamp, when you when you go to your local bar, hey, hey even in New Jersey here, maybe if you're a Padres fan, me and my friend that both live around here, uh, like we're going to be going there and be like, hey, remember, remember Jorge Alfaro? That was a fun season. And it was. It really was. And there were moments where I got excited when he was actually taking more walks and whatnot. But overall... He strikes out way too much. In fact, the 35.8% K rate is number one out of all the catchers uh, in the league. Or I'm sorry, number two. Uh, Joey Bart is the only one with the worst strikeout percentage. Uh, but his walk percentage is lower than everybody's um, that strikes out that high. So that is one thing that you should know about Alfaro. And it is, to me, it's just very amusing, though, that he still outperformed Austin Nola. Austin Nola, I have been ranting about this for a while. This is a guy that the Padres traded for, clearly trying to trade high on him in the 2020 season when they wanted to kind of go for it. I didn't hate the trade at the time, but I remember, and you can pull up my episodes if you can even find them. It's hard for me to kind of find these episodes, but um, I remember being like, eh, I like Ty France a little bit. I don't think we gave up nothing for this guy. I don't mind Ty France. What I did also say was I didn't know what else you could do with him in fairness, because with Eric Hosmer there at the time, I didn't know what they could do. Obviously, we know how that trade transpired, and giving up Andres Munoz, one of the, like, maybe six or seven best relievers in baseball right now, definitely has some of the best stuff among all relievers. So that was, you could argue that that is A.J. Preller's second worst move, I think, next to the signing of Eric Cosmer. Only reason is because you could, if you want to go conspiracy mode, you could say that uh, signing Eric Cosmer made it a destination, and that's what ended up giving them credence and legitimacy to sign Manny Machado. Maybe, maybe. But anyway, we're getting off topic. One of the things I don't like about Austin Nola is just how much of a limitless sort of time that he had at the plate this year. He got so much more time at the plate this year, despite the fact that Alfaro was much more effective offensively. I know what you might be thinking. Well, what about the defense? Defense wasn't there. Defense wasn't there. Not in a long-term you know, overall pitch framing and pop time sort of thing. If you want to go by pop time, 19th percentile. If you want to go by framing, 30th percentile. Those numbers, of course, coming from baseball savant. Not a lot going on there. The only thing he was good at was he didn't strike out a lot, he didn't whiff a lot, and he didn't chase. But the problem is that the hits and the walks did not come enough for me to justify what he was doing. And not to mention the defense wasn't very good. He was routinely allowed to be the catcher for the Padres, I imagine, because this has to be a chemistry thing. Um, guys clearly did not like catching for Luis Campizano. It's been a whole thing for a while now. I think they need to just work it out, but 
I get that maybe during the middle of the season isn't the time to do that. I can understand that. I can understand the Padres saying, you know what? Fine. We are in a playoff hunt. We're towards the end of the season. Maybe we should have done this at the beginning of the season. We should have said, figure it out. You're working with Luis Campizano. He has so much more upside as a bat. And I think, clearly evidenced by some of these numbers, not that much worse defensively. Like, really not that much worse. In fact, that there weren't really a lot of worse catchers this year. I already told you. I mean, he was... <laughs> the guy was dreadful. The guy was dreadful. And it's and it's a shame. It's a shame because the Padres really could have used something there. Don't get me wrong. I did enjoy him salvaging his season thanks to a very nice playoffs when he was just getting singles, getting some RBIs when the team needed them. Very much appreciated that. Don't get me wrong. So it's not a total colossal failure. Just a little bit frustrating that this is the guy that's preventing, in theory, Luis Campizano from getting a fair shot. Hopefully that's not the case next year, but... It was just a, a really overall frustrating season. It's more frustrating when you see what guys like Muniz and Ty France are doing, and the Padres just couldn't really find anyone. Now, granted, I think that some of the other players out there, the big one was um, Wilson Contreras for the longest time. It was Wilson Contreras. Uh, that was the guy heading into the season that everyone said was going to be a target at the deadline, and I'm sure he was, but for some reason the Cubs didn't. I don't really know what the Cubs are doing exactly. They decide to instead keep him on their really bad team and then finish whatever and then just not re-sign him. So that was very weird. Uh, again, baseball teams, ladies and gentlemen. But they couldn't do that. I imagine maybe the asking price was a little bit too much. And I also was totally fine with them not going all in on a catcher who has only a year left of control. He'd be a rental catcher. So I didn't mind that. But there was also another guy, Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy for the A's actually had the fifth, the third best F4, only behind JTO Romuto and Adley Rutschman this year uh, among catchers. He was awesome. I mean, he was awesome for, for Oakland, and he's a very good defensive catcher, and I think he has room to grow with power. But unfortunately, as you guys might have heard, he got traded to the Braves. And the Braves, in effect, also sent away William Contreras, who was 11th among catchers in F4, not the best defensive guy in the world either, but he could hit. And before we cut for a second, I just want to say, I want you guys to think about, should the Padres have tried to get in on this trade? Because it doesn't seem like the A's were asking for a, a crap ton, and it seems like maybe if they found a way to be the third team in the trade, I would have really, I, that, that wouldn't have been bad, I'm wondering. I'm wondering, you guys answer that real quick. But before we talk more about the past, present, and future of Padres catchers, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about something very important. Mm. Sorry, my throat was dying, ladies and gentlemen. But you know what's not dying? Sports betting. It's here to stay. All the analysis, the news, the stats, the odds. You need a good place to go to get all that info. Well, I have it for you. It's betonline.net. <laughs> Hopefully... Uh, listeners, if I hiccup to death, just understand my apologies, I guess. Get the latest odds, there it is, and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup, congratulations to Argentina advancing to the final. That messy guy's pretty good. Uh, we've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sporting betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. 
That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Boo, yeah. Shout out Bet Online, man. They've been with us for a while. All right. Let's continue talking. We were mentioning um, Sean Murphy and William Contreras. And saying, you know, maybe should the Padres have gotten in on this? He had like a two, a solid war this year, if I'm not mistaken. 2.4. You know, there are some other catchers out there. But for the most part, you know, maybe a Travis Darno. That's an interesting player. He's actually not bad defensively either. And he's got a pretty good bat. I would love to see just what it looks like. If the Padres had, like, a really solid catcher. Well, thankfully, they might have that in Luis Campizano, which I think is a very interesting, really fun X factor heading into this next season. Obviously, they could have gone out and they could have signed William uh, Wilson Contreras. They could have gone out and signed Christian Vasquez of the Red Sox, or formerly, I should say, of the Red Sox and formerly of the Astros. He ends up going to Minnesota. They could have done that. But I think for once, the Padres are really, being really smart here. I hope, I hope, because ladies and gentlemen, if I have to sit through a hundred and, no, not even like 80 games of Austin Nola catching, whatever it is, I'm going to lose it, man. I'm going to lose it because that would be really frustrating. That A guy who has just not been effective. If this, at least when the great Francisco Mejia Austin Hedges debate was going on, Austin Hedges is one of the worst bats that I've seen play baseball in quite a long time. But at least it was like, okay, but he is a really good defensive player. So I can understand them. There at least being a dilemma for that reason. He was a wizard behind the plate. And he even had one season, Austin Hedges, where he was pretty damn effective, actually, as a catcher. So he, he does deserve credit for that uh, in terms of he just randomly, I think, hit for power in like 2018, I'm going to say. I'm going I'm to look that up. Um, but let me see here. Yeah, he, yeah, he randomly hit for power uh, a little bit in 2017. When he hit 17, or I'm sorry, when he hit 18 home runs, year after that, 14. That was weird, whatever. It's just, I don't even know. But he's he's never been a good hitter. So I at least understood that, all right, the defense. But I just talked about Austin Nola's defense, and that's what was so frustrating. Where it was like, well, if you're going to block this guy Campizano, who at every level of the minors has succeeded, he has been effective, he's been a good bat, he's been a top-level prospect for the Padres, and then they just don't play him, Right? Of course, I've already, I'm repeating myself, but I can understand if they said, we're in a playoff spot, we've been playing well this year, you Darvish isn't used to pitching for him, and that's kind of the strength of our team is pitching. So I can understand if they were like, let's just, we'll figure it out in the offseason. You better use this guy in the offseason, because that's going to be really frustrating um, if they don't. The Padres have just not had a good history with catcher. They just haven't. For whatever reason, they, in the AJ Parler era, they haven't had him. Right? Let me just name a few a few fellas, a few fellers for you uh, that have played catcher for the San Diego Padres at one point or another uh, over this A.J. Preller ten- tenure. Austin Hedges, obviously, and Austin Nola. Derek Norris. Derek Norris, and I'm not saying this to be a, a jerk, is just almost definitively the one season. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. He had one season in which he was hitting for a decent amount of power that is probably the best catcher season that the Padres have had in in the entire AJ Preller era like entire era you could say that yes with defense and all that but he was a pretty good defensive player in 2015 if you want to just look at Fangraph's defensive rating he was fine he finished with a 3.8 F4 and why is that because he managed to sock you know 14 home runs that was nice 250 average 305 on base it's not that bad especially for a catcher and especially considering that he was able to hit for a decent amount of power but that's still astounding that that's like the only year. Like, that's the best right there that I mentioned just now. Derek Norris, 2015. 
that the Pirates have had out of catcher, really, in a long time. Jorge Alfaro is somehow, is somehow fourth in the total F4 of catchers in this pre- uh, tenure for uh, A.J. Preller. After that, Webster Rivas, Francisco Mejia, Christian Bethencourt, A.J. Ellis, Rafi Lopez, Austin Allen, Hector Sanchez, Victor Caratini! I miss, I miss Victor Caratini. He was another, a little bit of a Padres legend, a tiny bit. Not as much as the Alfaro goat, just because Alfaro, the fact that he was almost already a meme when he joined the team. If you know anything about the Marlins, the fact that they had him playing left field sometimes just shows you how the Marlins are completely incompetent in a lot of ways. But it's really funny that the Padres are like, yeah, we'll take that guy. No one wants him, but we'll take him. Uh, so he was a little bit more meme, I think, than um, Victor Caratini, which made it a little bit more fun. Um, but Caratini did have the walk off against the Reds. The sea, the sea of San Diegans call, obviously, by the great Don Orsillo. That was a lot of fun. And, of course, he's Puerto Rican, so, of course, I was a fan. And he had that very funny um, uh, text conversation with you, Darvish, after the trade was made with the Padres, if you guys remember. I don't know if this was, like, totally legit, but it was just funny that Vic, uh, Caratini texted, like, oh, like, San Diego. And then and then <laughs> Darvish just responds, you too. <laughs> like, you're coming too. You got traded too. So I, I just thought that that was very cute, very funny. Um, and clearly, though, Victor Caratini also a reminder that the personal catcher thing doesn't always hold weight because he wasn't a very effective player, even though he was clutch, very clutch early on for the team. Uh, Caratini was that Darvish faltering apart. You know what I mean? Like you can't just dedicate a roster spot because they like pitching to a certain catcher. At least that's not what I think. You better be something else and it better be every pitcher that prefers you as their catcher. I don't know. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. But yeah, uh, so that's that's kind of the history of that position. And then you have Luis Campisano and Luis Torrens. The only reason Austin Ola is up there is because of the fact that he's kind of had a decent tenure with the Padres at catcher, right? It's just sheer volume, right? But I just I just don't see it with him. And granted, like I, it is catcher, I get it, but it, it's frustrating. I just named all of the guys. They just haven't had really a, a great catching season aside from Derek Norris and from a memorable perspective, Jorge Alfaro. So it's for that reason that I'm hoping that the Padres next year, that they just give Luis Campisano the reins. He should be practicing, training with the team. I know there's been some people like the rumor mill and whatnot. And some people, listeners, might even be wondering, do I know anything? Do I know anything that's going on behind the scenes? You know what I mean? Uh, Not really. You know what I mean? It's totally possible that, oh, my God. Whoa. Oh, breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Not for the Padres, unfortunately, but Jeff Passant Sweet, shortstop Carlos Correa, and the San Francisco Giants are in agreement. On a 13-year, $350 million contract. Wowza. Wowza. Yep, my phone's blown up, ladies and gentlemen. My baseball group chats are already blown up as I record this. Sorry, don't mean to distract from the thing, but that's big. That's big. It was really cute, for the record, seeing the whole, oh, the Mets could be in on Korea. Yeah, okay, you have Lindor. Shut up. Like, what are we doing here, guys? It's so fun. I love baseball reporting. Um, But back to catching. So it's for that... All that, I like that the Padres said, you know what, we we need to have at least something that is homegrown. I know Tatis is, don't get me wrong, I know that they have some players, maybe a couple relievers. I know my, my boy Miguel Diaz, you know what I mean, when he was doing relief pitching for the Padres at some point uh, over the last couple years. You know, I know that they have some people. But overall, 
it's almost entirely a, te- a team built through trades. Tatis, I count him as a full-time Padre. They traded for him when he was like 14. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really count, right? Like, that's more of a, that's your guy. Because it was just, you were taking a lottery ticket flyer at the time. Um, and I just like that you get some control over him. And it's hard to get that. If you can luck out and get, essentially on a bargain, a really good catcher, or at least a catcher that, do you think that we know for sure that he's worse than Austin Nola? No, we certainly don't. Right? Definitely not. That he's worse than Jorge Alfaro. No. Uh, certainly not. There are some other catchers out there like Joey Bart, who wasn't very good this past year, but he finished 21st among catchers in F4, and a big reason for that was because he had some okay defense and a decent amount of pop. But you're telling me that we know for sure that he can't be better than Kybert Ruiz, than Reese McGuire, than Eric Haas, Gary Sanchez... Victor Caratini, old friend out of Milwaukee, right? He's not going to be starting no more now that William Contreras is there. Yes, I don't think that Luis Campizano is that upper tier, oh, heck yeah, this is what a championship team has. We don't know that for sure. But I do think that the Padres should at least take a, take a, a chance on him because they've had him in their system so long, right? But before we uh, keep talking about that, guys, one more really prolonged sip of water while I do that. Please... Think for yourself a little bit about all the mystic energies in the world and just try and use them to guide, guide all the power to the Padres as I do this. So hold on, everybody. Ah. Wow. I don't know what's going on with my throat right now. I'm not still sick. Oh, I know what it is. It's this medicine that I'm taking. Makes everything taste all metally, like metallic. It's the worst. But we continue, ladies and gentlemen. Let's wrap up talking my thoughts on this whole catcher situation. I, I can't believe this Carlos Correa thing. It makes sense. The Giants had to do something. Um, in terms of how this affects the Padres really quickly, um, I don't think it affects too much. I think that the Giants are certainly still, still behind, but it does mean that they're ready to still keep trying. This is a huge contract. I believe it should make him the highest paid shortstop in baseball, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that should beat the Lindor contract. I think that was around 340. Um, and it shows you that the Giants, they stayed true to their word. We knew the Giants were going to try and get somebody, whether it be Judge, Turner, Bogarts, right? Like, you knew they were going to spend. It got a little scary there for a second, but they still spent. So, shouts to the Giants that, even though their farm is a little bit lacking right now, their roster's a bit of a mess, that they still said, we don't care, we're not going to just punt, uh, and kick the can down the road forever like so many other teams do. So, shouts to them. And not looking forward to playing against him. Uh, Carlos Curry is a freaking beast. Um, going to be fun to see how he does, though. It's sad friend. Going to be very fun. Um, but back to catcher. I think that um, with Campizano, I have heard that there are potentially maybe some behind-the-scenes things with him. Maybe he's just not getting along with the guys yet, which is totally fair a fair justification for maybe why he wasn't called up immediately. You combine that with the fact that he is young, he's unproven, the fact that the guy's just like playing with Nolo right now, and that they don't want to just, in the middle of the playoff race, have to figure out how to catch uh, for someone different. Or, I'm sorry, how to pitch for someone different. Totally understand that if you also take into account potential personality clashes, right? And personality clashes and, you know, off-the-field stuff, sometimes when it comes to just a personality, I often find that it might just be an initial thing, right? Guys can figure it out. You know, you saw last year that the Yankees traded for um, 
what's his face, uh, Josh Donaldson, who was infamously like one of Garrett Cole's great enemies, apparently. And then those two figured it out, right? So chemistry in baseball is something that I think matters and won't be, ever be able to be something that we can measure with statistics. I just don't think we can. It is too hard to measure that stuff in baseball. Obviously, everyone will always remember the the Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds one, right? Like where those two just absolutely hated each other, but they were super dynamic on the field together. So it didn't really affect them. And they reportedly actually literally fought during a game and then went out and played really well. So chemistry and baseball, I find to be something that is really indeterminate and you, you just can't figure it out. But that being said, I understand if the Padres are still trying to figure some things out. I know he had the arrest a few years ago. Um, I believe in Alabama or Georgia, one of the two, I forgot where, um, he did have that for, I think it was, um, possession of marijuana, if I'm not mistaken. Um, which of course was not a, a good thing down there, but that's kind of something he's overcome. So maybe the Padres in general are just sick and tired of weird off the field stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? With the Tatis and then you got Campisano. So maybe they were like, we've already had our fill. We're not even going to bring you up right now. Cause we're so annoyed with, uh, the goober, I guess right now. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of it that I have to say about this guy. That's kind of it. I just think that overall, the Padres are in a really solid position. I am so happy that they did not give up Campizano in any trades. I stand by that. I joked about this on Twitter that the way moms, uh, when their kids are in trouble, will just gain super strength and lift cars, right? I don't know if... if Maybe you've listened uh, or you've watched the movie Mitchells versus the Machines. There's a scene towards the end where the mom literally enters like demon fox sage super saiyan mode for a second. It's very, very funny. I love that movie. It's so sweet. Um, uh, maybe that's what uh, happens, right? I forgot why I was even making this analogy. Why was I saying this? Mom's being... T- oh, I remember. I was saying... <laughs> It's a stretch. It's a stretch. That that's gonna be me. That um, summoning that strength out of nowhere. If Luis, if I even hear Luis Campisano's name mentioned in a trade, I will go and tackle someone in the Padres' office. Am I cooked after that? Absolutely. But I'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. I'll do anything. I'll do anything for these friars. Uh, I, I have to stop them from doing the making the wrong mistake. You know what I mean? I'm Wolverine in Age of Ultron, going back in time and trying to stop the bad stuff before everybody gets killed. Right. Yeah, I know. I'm a nerd, guys. What do you want from me? I, I love comics. I'm, I'm so back in. Um, So, yeah, I think that the pods do not sleep on Luis Campizano, do not sleep on him whatsoever across any catcher in the National League. I'm totally fine with them not getting Sean Murphy. I think the farm is just completely depleted, and I think that they should try regrowing it a little bit, keep Jackson Merrill around, maybe see if someone is more available during the trade deadline. I think that would make a whole lot of sense, um, potentially for the team, is if they decide, you know what? We got Bogarts, we have Tatis, we have Hassan Kim. If Jackson Merrill hasn't shown that he's really adapting into a different position and whatnot, then I would, oh my God, my phone's going nuts. Then I would definitely, you know, consider trading Jackson Merrill for someone who's going to become, who's going to go on the table, someone who's having a good season. It could be another starter. It could be Martin Perez. You know, maybe the Rangers are terrible and he's only on a one-year deal. Pretty pretty cheap. Maybe he has another great season, in the, but the Rangers stink. You can go after him, right? That's just one name that I can come up with off the top of my head. Remember, the, the future isn't set. You don't have to build the entire team fully 100% mortgage the future right now. We learned that with Juan Soto. 
if the Padres sign Castellanos and Schwarber like all every fan in my mentions wanted them to do last year, do they still get Juan Soto? I don't know. I don't know. And especially if Castellanos played the way he played last year, the same for the Padres. That'd be nuts. That'd be nuts. Um, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it has been a fun free agency. Um, I'm looking forward to covering the rest of it because there are certainly some other players out there that have been talked about in rumors. So I figured it's worth talking about them. And one of those other two players, one of them is Brian Reynolds, who I'm going to be talking with Ethan Smith of Lockdown Pirates. That should be Thursday's episode. No, Fridays, I think. I think it'll be Friday. Look, we talked about this nonsensical Tatis rumor, so why not talk about Brian Reynolds? It seems like it's kind of, he's like the, um, I don't know, like an Anthony Davis, CJ McCollum, no. I'm trying to think, like, who's a player that's always always a trade conversation, like every single year? I'm trying to think of a better comp for that, but... That's what Brian Reynolds is. Going to talk to him about whether or not it is legit that he's being traded, how much the Padres could potentially give up, whatever. All things Brian Reynolds. And who knows? I mean, we did get Musgrove from them, so maybe, I don't know, maybe could sneak him a little bit. He had a little bit of a down season. Maybe could sneak in there a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so maybe could do that. And then also going to be talking with Peter Pratt of Lockdown Marlins about Pablo Lopez. Going to be talking to him about that guy. Uh, what he thinks of him, whether or not he really is a trade candidate, that can be moved. Um, I don't know. I think that should be a lot of fun. Uh, so stay tuned for those. And then, of course, as the year transpires, winds down, going to do some big more recap episodes, going to talk more about other positions and my favorite Padres moments of the year because it was a great year. And I think it's worth talking about all that stuff. So lots of fun stuff still planned. Locked on Padres, man. Just, just, we, we keep rolling out here, man. We keep rolling. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at L-O underscore Padres. Reach out to me on either of those. I know some of you actually did the other day. I appreciate you. Um, definitely going to try and communicate a little bit better with the Padres folk on Twitter um, and whatnot, because uh, that's a lot of fun. I love hearing from you guys. I think you guys can be really smart. And have really great observations for a team that I am still pretty new on in the grand scheme of things. Like, very new. Hey, I'm pretty new on baseball. No, that's not true. I've been watching baseball since I was, like, two. I just go in and out a lot. You know what I mean? Lot, lots of in and out. That sounds weird. Uh, you get my point, though. I've, I've taken breaks of baseball every now and then. Um, so look forward to the future stuff. And, as always, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies. Come on, come on. Come on.